0: welcome to the swim swam podcast i'm your host coleman hodges joining us today paralympian paralympic medalist para pan american games medalist today we have the pleasure of sitting down with jamal hill how's it going man it's
1: going great happy to be here swim slam fam uh, thank you for having me mr hodges
0: anyone calls me Mr. Hodges, but I, I, appreciate that, and I appreciate you coming on and being here today. Um, we're going to cover a wide variety of topics, uh, but first we're starting with U.S. para-swimming, the state of para-swimming uh, in our country today, and looking forward to this summer's world championships. So just first off, uh, are you qualified for world championships? And if so, what, what are you swimming for? How's it looking?
1: Absolutely, man! Absolutely. Uh, so that press release just came out on Friday, on uh, on last Thursday. Um, uh, I guess that was like April sixteenth, April fourteenth, something like that. Uh, so our U.S. para team headed for World Championships. We're actually going to Madeira, Madeira in Portugal. Uh, beautiful island, should be an amazing place. Um, Twenty-five athletes named to that team. Twenty-five athletes. Uh, only only I think there are seven but there may even be six I think only six of those 25 are men no there are seven there are seven of us men that have been named to that team okay. and, and uh, the other you know I'm not a mathematician here but the other the other 18 16 athletes are our female athletes so excited to be a part of that really really small group of men I'll be the only s9 athlete representing and uh, my plans are to swim the 50 meter freestyle and the 100 meter freestyle hopefully uh hopefully also we'll be able to debut this will be the debut for mixed relays which is a huge thing in swimming so really excited for that
0: yeah no kidding i mean it sounds like you'll have uh at least a few medal opportunities you were uh, a tokyo bronze medalist in the s950 freestyle so hopefully you know obviously you can uh Maybe get a little more hardware in that category. So, um, how's the team looking from your end? Uh, just as a whole, what are your thoughts on the team, especially as you mentioned with those mixed medley relays debuting at these championships?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think our team has a really really good show. You know, I won't speak too much about my like my individual events. I just I'm a little bit not superstitious, but. I think, you know, some ego can get into that and it doesn't always serve you. So uh, just know I'm training and, you know, I'm obviously going to do my best. I'm going to bring a high level of intensity and preparation uh, to the event. So, you know, regarding the larger team, though, really excited for our medleys. Uh, We have an extremely strong women's team Uh, and it's obviously represented just in the makeup of our world champs team. Uh, and it was represented in the makeup of our Tokyo team. Uh the the women on our like com- national competition level usually outnumber the men either two or three to one. Uh they're dominant. They're pretty they are always knocking down world records. So to be able to get into a relay, our women were, you know, almost two-time <laughs> you know, I think like uh, we might have came in out of out of 16 countries, we came in fifteenth. you know, so <laughs> that's going to be a really powerful equalizer for us. Um, so that, that that's again, we got somebody on the team named Robert Griswold. He's kind of like the rain man of Swim, And he could really speak to, you know, how the numbers and stats line up and, and where we would be expected to place. But I do know that uh, we definitely have a shot out of metal for relays um, with the men and women coming together. And, uh, yeah, man. So there you go. That's, that's, that's my piece on that. You ask one more thing, brother. Uh,
0: I've, I've uh, we can, we can, I can ask another question. Okay. <laughs> I've spoken to Robert Griswold before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love talking numbers <laughs> with that guy. He's great. I'm glad you brought him up. Um, I'll be excited to see how this U S team does, uh, at these world championships this summer. Another team that I w- would like to get your perspective on is uh, the Ukraine team, which is historically one of the best para teams worldwide. Um, do you know, or have you spoken to anyone on the team? Do you, you know, have you heard rumblings um, just within the community of if their team has been impacted at all by the war in Ukraine?
1: Uh, full transparency, I've not spoken to anyone on the Ukrainian Paralympic team uh in any capacity. I do know other athletes that represent Ukraine in, in other Olympic and Paralympic sports. Um overall, you know, whether or not they've been able to train at full capacity again, I'm not aware of, but just to be able to speak to the emotional, psychological, mental strain and toll of, you know, ultimately not having a home, um, you know, your family being in danger. Uh, The worry, the concern, um, you know, I think uh, obviously the Paralympic movement and the Olympic movement, it's all about sport uniting us. Um, So my only hope is that regardless of the condition that those athletes are in physically uh, and and whether or not they're able to bring home medals for their countries or or not, uh, even still being previously one of the most dominant countries in swimming, especially in the higher classes, uh it's just that uh all the all of our medals you know from Team USA to any other country that goes out there and competes um is doing so you know for for a greater cause a cause of peace in this world a cause of you know (laughs) know, I don't even know the, the proper word for it but just um they're just like banishing war you know it's 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 archaic it's we don't need to live in a world like this anymore not that we ever really did need to um but that uh ultimately all of us are able to go out there and and honor and represent something that's bigger than ourselves bigger than even our own home countries um and is really represented in this it's almost this world order that's going to be united and uh and want to see everybody at least want to see everybody able to sleep in their own beds that night, you know, and not have to worry about um, not have to worry about anything terrible happening. So, that's my that's my piece on that. Uh, sending a lot of love and support to all Ukrainian athletes. Um, and and also you know not to be insensitive, but to also to uh, a lot of Russian athletes. Um, and and other smaller countries. You know, obviously these are the two big factions, but the smaller countries that are also caught up in that. Um, a lot of times us, we, we get caught, we get caught on the tail end, right? Uh, so not everyone is, you know, not everyone is making the decisions. Not everyone wants to go to war. Not everyone wants to be in these places and do these things, but they, you know, still have to carry that stigma. They still have to carry that responsibility as countrymen. So um, just sending love and light out to, to kind of, you know, our global community involved in this turmoil right now.
0: I love that you brought up this point of the athletes, you know, kind of being on the tail end of of a war that certainly neither side really chose athletically, right? Um, so, I, I am curious about your perspective on uh, Russian and Belarusian athletes, you know, being banned from competitions, para competitions, all competition um, this summer, at least in the aquatic realm. Do you do you think that's fair?
1: You, you know, quite frankly, um, I don't think it's a matter of fairness. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's fair that one country has invaded another one. Right. I don't think it's fair that I, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I don't think are fair. Um, but one thing that I do believe is true is that the sins of the father will always be visited on children. Uh, and you know, th- this is something that do I, it's unfortunate a hundred percent. I think that it's extremely unfortunate. Um, but also think it's you know i think it's in some ways not not even all that significant man you know like there are people losing their lives over land over property over over, over physical things and and yeah i think it's maybe there should be more sanctions involved um you know like beyond obviously like the athletic realm <laughs> uh but it's also one of those types of things to where governing bodies can on, on an international scale can kind of only implement things where they do have the power to implement them uh they do have the power to at least make some type of stance make some type of statement and again it's extremely unfortunate that uh these athletes won't be able to compete you know throughout the course of this year and that uh They have to, you know, ultimately, again, kind of have that punishment, whether or not they are supportive or not supportive of what's being done on a national level in terms of their country. Um, I do think that anytime something like this happens just in the specific scope of competition, right, Uh, well, we're not seeing the best competitive field. Uh, so that's a fact, you know, Russians, Belarusian athletes, they, they're definitely some of the top in swimming uh, in the Paralympic space. But again, also, you, there, there just has to be certain lines drawn, you know, um, there has to be certain lines drawn. If, if if these athletes not being able to represent their country, if this ultimately country not having the opportunity to be esteemed, to be put up as because that's what it, that's what this platform is of the Paralympics, right? When these athletes win, these countries are esteemed. That national, that national anthem plays, and the whole world takes a moment and and of silence to honor. Right, um, how this country has supported these athletes, and ultimately how we're all supporting this collective vision. So, if if that country is not buying into that collective vision and they're actually working to tear it apart, well then, yeah, I don't believe that. I don't believe that maybe the athletes still did the work, but that country and the representatives, well, they don't earn that right to be celebrated at this point in time.
0: Well said. Thank you. Thank you for that perspective. Uh, I I, (laughs) I appreciate that answer. Um, So as mentioned before, you medaled in Tokyo at the at those 2020 Paralympics. I want to get your perspective on that as well. Just, you know, a, a pre-war era <laughs> that, that wasn't even a yeah. year ago, right? Um, was yeah. that your first Paralympic experience? Is that your first time going?
1: <laughs> that was, man. That was my first Paralympic. So it was uh, it was from what I hear. Unlike any other
0: before, <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, so so I just wanted to get your take on the uh, the level of camaraderie that you felt there, not only with Team USA, but just as an athlete of the world, right? Getting to be together with all these different countries um, in that's, in that common space. Uh, how, what kind of togetherness were you able to take from that?
1: One aspect of togetherness I was able to take away from a national perspective, helping your teammates keep their head up. Um, and and this may sound a little strange, but I think what united us nationally, you know, as Team USA the most, uh, were the times when athletes did not get medals, uh, because that was the biggest opportunity for camaraderie. That was the biggest opportunity for, for support. You know, obviously, you know very well. We all people get to walk away in some large, like kind of external validation sense, feeling like it was not all for not right like i didn't spend all my time and resources these past five years to not come home with something tangible uh but the same way what less than one percent make it to the games well now you're at the games this is the tournament of the world's champions everybody here is literally the best in their country <laughs> they're all the best in their country um so yeah it's even again less than one percent of the world's best that are going to come home with some type of hardware. Uh, and so, you know, after you have an event or a race that doesn't go your way and you come back to the team area, that that was just one thing I saw that we improved on as the meet went on, as the event went on. It went from something like, man, I'm not really sure how to console. What do you say to somebody who probably just feels like their dream has been shattered? Right. So close yet so far. Um, and, and, and that was something that I definitely saw my fellow teammates and I saw the coaching staff. Uh, you know, th- that's not something you kind of get trained on, you know, but but I saw more and more just some real connection happening you know, real connection. Um, and I'll tell this one quick story. Uh, and it's actually outside of the pool. One of my good buddies, Ezra Freck, he's actually, uh, we're both uh, representatives for LA 2028 um, or the LA 28, right? They abbreviate it. the LA 28 is a brand. Uh, so we're both representatives, but either way, track and field athlete. Um, I, I don't know his exact class, but great kid, man, went to the games, ended up coming, in, I think fourth or fifth overall, heartbroken, crushed. And, uh, you know, I had already won my bronze at that time, and and I know he was feeling a lot of pressure like all of us are. We come together for lunch the next day. We sit down, and, you know, again, like, everybody's all night probably been telling this kid, like, dude, it's okay. Like, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. Like, nobody wants to hear all that, man. I don't want to hear the, like – I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. But we sat down and this dude's 15, 16 years old, a kid. Like, I'm 15, 16. Dude, I was not number four in the world at anything. <laughs> you know, so. uh, But I just told him that story about Michael Phelps that, uh, believe it or not, a lot of swimmers are not familiar with, but some of them are. Uh, the, You know, Michael Phelps went to his first games at what, 15, 16? Dude, he came home empty handed, came home empty handed from his first games and then went on to become the most decorated Olympic athlete in history. Um, you know, so just trying to provide perspectives and, and prime shifts for athletes. You know, obviously, it's helpful to have before you suffer a major loss or a major victory. But even after, there's still great value and just understanding that, number one. In no way, shape, or form has this win or loss defined you and made you who you are. Okay, um, and then number two, dude, time is still moving forward and the story is still being written. So what we have now is an opportunity. We listen. It's okay to walk away, walk out of here, come home with a little chip on your shoulder. You got something to prove. <laughs> you know that that that's definitely that's hardware. Trust me, that's hardware. And I uh, I think that's brought home more medals than a lot of things. So. Um, That's what I experienced on a national level. On an international level, I would just say that, uh, first and foremost, so much gratitude to the Japanese community, um, the statesmen uh, that that served us in in the village that that maintained the aquatic arena and events. Um, Really kind, uh, (laughs) literally uh, kind and clean. Like, I can't even think of much else (laughs) to put towards that. Um, and. You know, I wish I could kind of give a small on that, but because the Paralympic Games did happen in the context of a, 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 a Paralympic group before, right? Like, obviously, we're talking about how many countries are there in the world? 195 countries in the world, more or less 192 represented at the Paralympics. Everyone is, you know, why right? there's at least 15 different languages that are spoken across these hundred and ninety semi countries, not to not to mention the hundreds of different, you know, cultural practices. And uh, we're all wearing masks all the time, you know, so like even something as simple as body language and that being able to transcend barriers of communication um, has now been severely severed. Uh, and in some of the communal spaces like the cafeteria are partitioned for safety. Um, but again, there were a lot of barriers to communication, and, and I think to relationship for health reasons. Um, so, you know, that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, for the next games, is, is an opportunity to to come back here on the Swim Sand Podcast and say, "Yes, like this is something I learned <laughs> from my international friend at the games."
0: Absolutely, we're we're excited for that moment as well. You brought up the the next Olympics, right? Which is Paris 24, which mm-hmm. where it's, it's so funny. One Olympic cycle ends and immediately, you know, in the US, we start the next one of like, all right, we're looking forward. What are we thinking? Certainly in the swimming space, right? We're just mm-hmm. like, okay, Tokyo is done. What are you thinking about Paris? It's only three years away now, right? And so <laughs> I, I always think that's funny that it's just always on to the next. But for you, as you mentioned earlier, it's on to the next, next, right? You are a spokesman of LA 28, uh, which is also funny to me because that's a big topic in the U S now. And it's, I guess, six years away now, yep. um, but you know, two Olympics away, but we're still, it's still, it's getting a lot of traction still. We're still talking about it a lot. So for LA 28, first of all, just so your spokesperson for it. What are you doing now? Six years out. to to prepare for this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a really great question. So one thing that uh, I think most of the country is not privy to is that the LA28 brand, um, for the past three, four years, they've actually been uh, funding all of the Parks and Recs programs in the city of Los Angeles. Um, So previously, these Parks and Recs programs were funded by the LA84 endowment right from the LA 84 games in Los Angeles and from the investment investments and, 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 um, and profits, you know, over years from that, the LA 28 brand recently just took over that mantle. So as an ambassador, uh, we go to events. Uh, I went to a play LA event, uh, which was like the big unveiling play LA, um, promoting all sports and for the first time ever, really pushing, disability advocacy, disability participation in sports um, really big on a, on a city level. So that is one way that I've been involved. Um, Obviously me being a part of aquatics and and Janet Evans, shout out Janet, uh, Janet Evans being the, the, the chief athlete officer over there at LA 28. She's been instrumental in really driving the importance of aquatics programs and drowning prevention programs, to inner city youth, uh, so I'm looking forward to just more partnerships and opportunities to amplify that voice and that message.
0: Okay, so you mentioned uh, getting getting the word out about drowning about uh, about drowning prevention. I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but first <laughs> of all, I have to ask, <clears throat> as an unbiased American citizen, why are the <laughs> LA Going
1: See, to be a I'm sorry, the unbiased got me. Let me pull my bias out of this. Ask me again, brother.
0: <laughs> As an unbiased American citizen, why are the LA 2028 Olympics and Paralympics going to be the best games in history?
1: Okay. <clears throat> well, I'll entertain you here uh, and, and really lean on this unbiased aspect. I think... You know, and I'm really leaning to the unbiased here. We're talking about it's going to be hosted in one of the. Well, I think it's it's definitely top five. I want to say California is the third largest GDP in the world, right? Like it's it's up there just in terms of finances and entertainment. Um, so that alone, that's a hell of a platform to be standing on. Uh, and you know, we've got, we've got venues, we've got all the venues that you could ever want for literally anything. Uh, so I just think, um, this, like we're bringing the show to Hollywood. That's, that's probably one of the (laughs) unbiased, (laughs) like, you know, that's, that's kind of why man, uh, that that's why.
0: I love it. (laughs) That's, that's why it's as simple as that. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty confident we're going to have you back on as these games approach. Uh, you are a spokesperson for these LA 28 games. We've got six years, so we've got time, but, uh, in the more immediate future, you wear a lot of different hats. And one of those Mm -hmm. is as the managing director of aquatics today, which is hosting the inaugural aquatics equity summit in two days. On April yes, 20th, th- th- this Wednesday, this will be a recording on Monday. It's going to come out later today on Monday. Mm-hmm. You're hosting the Aquatics Equity Summit on Wednesday. It's all virtual. It starts mm-hmm. at 1030 a.m. Pacific. It's two hours. Uh, it's a free event. It's going to focus on how aquatics can unite communities and empower individuals of all ages, genders, ethnicities, religions, disabilities, and sexual orientations. Mm-hmm. Uh so, Jamal, as the Managing Director of Aquatics today, uh, tell us a little bit about this summit and why it's important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, one thing about me, uh, one, one thing about me, Brother Coltman, is that uh, I'm an athlete, 100%. Um, but I think what sets me apart is that I'm an athlete for the purpose of magnifying and amplifying the voices and the needs of the unheard, underserved communities on a global platform. That's why I'm an athlete. That's why I get up. That's why I swim. That's really what drives me. Um, That's what helps me maintain discipline is knowing that one of the rewards for my success Is a bigger platform to be able to push forward something way important way more important than who touched the wall first right like that's that's what i'm talking about things like war and ultimately one of my main campaigns is the war on drowning um and we all know right That's a big one. Drowning is the, you know, leading cause of death around the world. Top 10 easily always. Uh, And it's a huge problem here in the United States. And we already know, again, a lot of you are well versed with some of these statistics that African-American children, Hispanic children, um, Caucasian children, you know, also, you know, many different minorities. There's a spectrum of how many of these people are drowning per capita and and are more diverse ethnic groups are the ones that are drowning more. Um, And so the reason why I knew this aquatics equity summit had to happen before summer had to happen at the top of the year, this is only one of six virtual events we'll be putting on this year, by the way, uh, is because I just felt that our aquatics community needed to be reminded that this desire for, you know, more equity, more diversity, it's almost like a light desire. It's like a humming buzz, right? We kind of know what's necessary now. But we're missing that. No, this is a need. When we talk about LA 2028, and I even project beyond LA 2028, and, and, and not to backtrack here, but this is in some ways the challenge, you know? Well, what's going to happen to all of our aquatics programming after everybody's not looking forward to LA 2028 anymore? Does it all go back down? Do we all now start, you know, defunding aquatics? Do we start defunding opportunities for people to learn how to swim? Uh, That's what this Aquatics Equity Summit is about. It's about ultimately opening up this industry to match and represent the the growing populace, the growing census changes in this country. Right. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to review the census lately, but we live in a very diverse country, extremely diverse, um, from religion to ethnic background to sexual orientation. However, our swim community and industry does not reflect that. And uh one of the reasons why I'm driving this home so much is because sometimes we really gotta talk about those bottom lines, you know, like. I'm all about heart and I'm all about feeling, but I also understand sometimes that's not enough to create change in action, right? Um, And so I present the pandemic that we just experienced and how hard of a hit our swim industry took. People not buying bathing suits, right? Competition's not happening Uh, across the nation. I'm sure you guys have heard of this. There's a lifeguard shortage across the entire nation right now. We can't even get enough lifeguards to open up aquatics facilities and programs. Uh, That's going to be the next summit we're having, by the way, on May 11th. But the reason this is happening on such a massive scale, though, why all our eggs were in one basket? Not enough opportunities for people of other diverse cultures, beliefs, religion, systems, communities to have, number one, adequate swim education whether that be low no cost or private number two not enough training to create the aquatics leaders of the next generation that accurately represent their communities who's an aquatics leader for the let's just you know and it's not always the most bc but who's the aquatics leader for the hispanic community who are aquatics leaders for the islamic community who are aquatics leaders for uh white swimming community for black swimming community who for the gay community for who are these people well we may be able to name one or two here and there, but for the most part, there are a lot of empty seats and chairs because those pipelines and systems have not been developed. So ultimately, that's what this Aquatics Equity Summit is about. It's meant to be a forum. We've got some amazing speakers, uh, representatives from United Nations speaking. We've got the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion from USA Swimming speaking. Uh, we've got our Red Cross DEI representatives, Islamic Relief Fund CEOs speaking, uh, executive director at... Uh, at uh, where is that diversity in aquatics, an amazing organization? Speaking, we've also got Ashley Johnson, gold medalist Olympic water polo player, speaking, and of course myself, Jamal Hill, uh, bronze medalist Paralympian from the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics.
0: So there's there's a loaded roster. There's a lot to learn here. The Aquatics Equity Summit it's happening on April 20th, 10:30 a.m. Pacific. You can register now for this free event at Aquatics Equity dot com. That's aquatics equity Sign up today if you want to be a part of this. Uh, it's just two hours. There's a lot going on, um, a lot to learn. Jamal, thank you so much for dropping in on the pod today. Really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with us. Do you have any parting thoughts or is there anything we've missed before we sign off today?
1: Mr. Hodges, I appreciate the opportunity to join you, man. Um, I gotta say this right now: I'm offering you an invitation. I, I love the swim swam platform. Uh, just the voice you guys are always covering—literally breaking news uh, from from. Paralympic records being broken. One of my buddies, Yasina Dermondash, just featured in an article. Right, he broke he broke a, a short course yards record. So it's just so amazing to see that like the entire spectrum um, is on your radar and it's being acknowledged and it's being honored. Um, and, and that you guys are really bringing a lot of integrity to the aquatic space through your media platform. Uh, so. Listen, I'd love to have you on the Aquatics Today podcast sometime and just, again, highlight the amazing things you guys do to our community of aquatics directors and aquatics professionals. Uh, but yeah, man, thank thank you so much. And I guess a parting word for anyone out there. This is a parting word for my swimmers out there, my swim coaches out there. Um, we're talking about, you know, World Championships. We're talking about Paris 2024. We're talking about L.A. 2028. Uh one thing you know i've learned um at this point in time is dude step one is always just to make the team you know so like however big your plans are whatever you're gonna do whatever hype is around you like the end of the day step one you always got to make the team i had to make this world championship team that was step one uh and then step two you got to make the final (laughs) you make the team step two is you got to make the final right like Uh, And then obviously step three is do you leave it all in the pool? That's when you like when when you close your eyes at the end of the race for that extra bit of power. Um, But but that's it. Keep it simple. Focus. You know, have those really huge goals that are massive and uh keep them to yourself keep them to your super tight knit inner circle and uh, just remember to keep yourself humble and 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 keep uh and and keep the steps in line before you can become a paralympic or olympic gold medalist you gotta make the team (laughs) and before they give you that medal you gotta make the final uh so just take it one step at a time and and enjoy 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 i promise you enjoy every moment because it's the only one you'll have like that